Come on. Hello, dear listener. Before we get into today's show, quick ask. If you find value in today's show or you've gotten value out of a previous show, please leave us a quick five-star review. Be super grateful. Thanks a lot. Strong, the powerful Sean Heine is here on Money Savage Create. Welcome, Sean. Hey, George. Thanks for having me. Sean is the founder and COO at SignalWire. They are the they are the world's largest telecom platform, forming the backbone of modern communication applications like Amazon, Netflix, and Zoom. Again, I'm excited to dig into this with you, Sean. Tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do. Hey, George. I'm a serial entrepreneur. Been doing startups since uh, like age 12 or 13. Um, Dial-up ISP in the 90s, hosting company. Evolved into one of the first uh, SaaS network security companies. Came out to Silicon Valley and joined a company called Barracuda Networks. Helped them launch a good portion of their product portfolio through IPO. And then uh, started working in telecommunications and open source to uh, get technology out out to more people. We ended up becoming the arms dealer for uh, everyone building telecom apps over the years. That's right. So, So you figured out how to how to how how to sort of build this technology and then you said you know what why are we why are we supplying this to everybody else why don't we just do our own thing yeah exactly i mean um the model we used is is not uncommon in silicon valley but pretty uncommon elsewhere in business we use a model called open source where we actually made software we put it out there for free for everyone to use and we put the source code out there so everyone can modify it and what that does is it provides the Legos or the building blocks that companies can build whatever custom products they want. And that's what happened. You know, tens of thousands of companies used our open source to build products. And what happened was, is, you know, they get to the limit of what they can do with that. And so they look to the experts. The problem with the, with the technology is that you had to hire teams of engineers, teams of real um, specific engineers that know about telecom and stuff. So it wasn't very scalable unless you had a ton of money like Netflix or you know, the ring doorbell that could hire 60 engineers to do it. So part of our challenge right now is to take this amazing tech we built and open it up to more people. So really help accelerate the telecommunications, uh, movement that's happening right now. So why would a company choose to, is it, they, they, they choose to make it open so that other people can then improve it, which is a net benefit for everybody? That, that's the rough concept. Um, you know, if you make it open, um, the theory is that you solicit a community and that the community of other businesses and people would contribute to the project, and that overall that would, would increase the acceleration of progression. And that's been true, you know, that was especially true in the 90s. Um, a lot of the internet was built on open source technology. The problem is that, you know, with the, with the dot-com bubble and the subsequent, um, you know, financing events, uh, it didn't make financial se- sense to build software and give it away for free because you couldn't support it. And then you end up being, uh, you know, burdened by your financial sponsors, your, you know, the people that are bankrolling. So you kind of lose some of the freedom that you originally intended to have because you're just kind of being bountied by, you know, the guys with money. So, you know, we decided to uh, to take that into our own hands so we could decide our own future. And that's why we started SignalWire. That's interesting, right? Uh, 
can you sort of look back and, and maybe point to the time where so much money came into the space that it stopped making sense to just try to do it all open? Oh, absolutely. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's there's literally a, a, a light bulb moment. Um, so, you know, we'd, we'd been working on this project, the, the original author, a guy named Tony Minasali, our CEO, written most of the code, you know, over 15 years, like 95% of the code, so very little contribution from the community. And literally, I'm not making this up, literally billions of dollars market value on top of this code. And uh, Tony and friends through a, a, you know, kind of a geek conference every year. It's still, it's still going on called ClueCon. And uh, it's kind of the upper echelon of people in this telecom industry, the, the, the smartest developers. And, um, you know, about 300 of them get together every year. And I've been going, you know, pretty much since inception. So I've seen this thing grow. And uh, four or five years ago, I was standing next to Tony. And this is a guy who's, you know, in his house, has worked his balls off for 15 years. And, uh, you know, he's, he's made some consulting money, but nothing like the people. And this guy walks up to him, guy he's never met, uh, comes up to him and says, Tony, I got to shake your hand. He's like, okay. And he's like, you made me $300 million. I took your code and I sold it to Verizon after 11 months of work and they bought it and $280 million later and I'm doing the next thing. And you could just see, you could just see his eyes just, you know, and it was kind of a light bulb moment. Like, okay, the real value, the cash value in this business is actually building this business infrastructure around it. And, and, and you've seen that model, like Red Hat was originally open source and they kind of build a consulting bis- business around it. And this company, you know, MySQL and I mean, it's in, in the Silicon Valley, the story has been done. And, and basically it, it leads to you have to build a commercial business around your open source project in order to be able to control and sustain it. Yeah, that's that's super interesting. So. How how often or how much time are people spending just trying to, I don't want to say steal, but build upon existing tech or code and just create new companies that are almost identical to an existing company? Yeah, uh, it happens. I mean, um, if you look at, you know, it's kind of the, one of the businesses we're playing with that we started playing with in the last three years is uh, the business that Twilio's in. You know, Twilio is a publicly traded company, and they primarily sell a service around sending programmatic uh, text messages. So, if your bank wants to send you a text message, or they make eighty percent of their four or five hundred million dollar year off of uh, sending text messages. So, um, you know, that was a that was a pretty easy element for us to just go and clone right away. And so, mm-hmm. you know, we did that in like three months, and we created a Twilio clone and. Uh, uh, yeah, it was uh, uh, syntax compatible, pretty easy to use, and um, it started uh, uh, it started the notion that yeah, you could take our our fundamentally free software and create a clone of this you know five four billion dollar market cap company in relative in three months, oh. and then we started on this this process of hey, we're going to clone Zoom, and and uh, not clone Zoom, but we're going to make a better video platform because we really felt like zoom wasn't doing the trick for for most people so when the pandemic hit we took our tech and we started wrapping it in the what we're using now signal wire work which is a lot of our tech we already had 
and we productized it in a few months. Like this is, we launched this like three months ago. Amazing. And, um, you know, we already have a platform that's uh, uh, pretty compelling. I mean, we're winning four to 1,000 deals left and right. So it, what we've proven is that, you know, we, because we're the, the arms dealers, we're able to essentially create whatever company we want with our own tech in a short period of time. So we did Twilio, we did Zoom, we're coming after events companies because live events are horrible. So we're, we're, going, we're going after that and we've got a lot of stuff planned. So I'm sure that just to use Twilio as the example, they, they can't be thrilled by this. No, uh, I, I, if you look at Twilio, I think Twilio knows the writings on the wall because any, any smart person would know. I mean, even if you're not in tech, like the future of telecommunications is not text messaging. That was the future 15 years ago. Like that yeah. is not the future. And if you cannot morph your business into something other than text messaging, you're in trouble. And that's where Twilio is. They're trying to, they, they realize this is happening. You see them getting to call centers and they're, they're throwing a lot of stuff at the wall, trying to find another path. But you know, in, in technology innovation, we're the real innovators here. Twilio was able to do SMS, but we can do voice, video, messaging, you know, the entire enchilada. And um, you were at least five years ahead of everybody else. Um, you know, th- we, we didn't give this tech to anyone else. We didn't give this tech to Zoom. We didn't give this tech to Dialpad. Nice. Okay. So when you, you said you're, you're now looking at, 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 at the event space, what does that mean? Well, I can I can articulate a little bit. Um, you know, in, in this post-COVID world, we've been kind of forced in a world where, you know, most people spend their day in Zoom rooms or Zoom Zoom calls, and their um, you know their scheduled meetings, and they start at a specific time and they end at a specific time, and it's kind of a formal agenda. And it's just, it's just soul sucking and there's no intimate connection. There's no informal connection. So that's part of it. But when it comes to the event space and, and this adds to the whole thing that we have the technology in order to put everyone on screen at the same time, everyone can make eye contact the entire time and you can experience the audience. You can experience the people that are listening to your message. So now, an artist could feedback on the audience. They can see if the audience is clapping. They can hear them. They can see if they're excited. They can see if their eyes are engaged. Everyone experiences the same thing. So everyone, you know, if you're in a physical room, you have the same experience as everyone else. And that's the true on the SignalWire platform. So you have full video and audio control, kind of like a producer, a video producer would. So you kind of control the show. It's not, you know, one person switching on the main screen, whoever's talking. Um, and, and that's, that's part, and I can, I can, it's pretty technical, but we have the tech in order to audio and video mux up to a hundred people on screen at the same time and actually hear what they're saying and actually be able to see everybody in 20 frames a second. And the way the other guys work around this is they don't have that tech. So they, they can only show one person at a time in any sort of sane way. So what they do is they video switch, you know, one person's talking, they video switch to the next person. That's the one getting the full resolution. Then they video switch, video switch. It's just not how people work, and um, especially in the event space, it's it's pretty lacking. Like, if you go to a live event right now, almost on any platform, there's real no, really no value add in being there live. You're not experiencing it with an audience. There's no content that's feeding off the audience. There's very little interaction. Maybe some text, but it might as well have been pre-recorded. Yeah. And uh, you know, we're changing that. 
Well, that's certainly going to have a million different uses, right? I mean, I can think about that, obviously, what you're talking about, just like performances, but do you see it playing out just mimicking just like an office environment? Well, yeah, that's the, so those are kind of two branches where you and I are talking in um, my virtual workspace and SignalWire work right now. And um, it's pretty early Eastern time still. And uh, most of my folks are in the West Coast. So I actually could show you people coming to the office theoretically if they're in, coming into the office. But <laughs> um, this is how we work. We, we work in always on video and there's privacy controls uh, so I can mute myself. I can deaf my audio so if i want to go heads down and people can knock on my you know i can go into a private mode where people can knock um i can see who's in their rooms i can see if they're happy i can see if they're yelling at someone just as i would if i walked into the office even though i'm not privy to the conversation you know i can i can, through nonverbal communication i can learn a lot about my office environment and that's a piece of what we're trying to replicate the piece you don't get in zoom you know, that nonverbal communication that actually adds to the efficiency of your business. You know, I know if the CEO, I, oh, the CEO is meeting with one of our, you know, VCs today. Um, I may not have been in that meeting, but that's important for me to know about, you know, just kind of ad hoc, you know, and, and that all that adds up. And we're able to capture that experience as, as well as the just popping in and bouncing an idea off someone or just saying hi yeah. or you know, not having to have a formal agenda for every moment of communication with your coworker. Yeah, no, I think that that's awesome. It's those kind of circumstance, happenstance communications that, 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 that we have that, you know, people talk about spurs creativity or whatever it might be. You can't do that with, with scheduling and scheduling a, 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 a zoom meeting or, or whatever. So I appreciate that. How is, is, is everybody going to need new hardware? Or is this going to be functional on, on my smartphone or my laptop? Yeah, I mean, the stuff we're building is all uh, built to run within a browser, whether a browser on, you're using a browser now, but a browser on your mobile phone or browser on your desktop, it doesn't matter. One of the big problems we see with um, existing solutions is it requires you to install some sketchy software <laughs> on your desktop. You know, and, and, and I emphasize sketchy because <laughs> some of the leading Companies here have had major problems like remote access to your Mac camera without your permission. You know, that was a big deal almost a year ago. And the reality is when you install code, you know, from a third party on your your Windows or Mac machine or your mobile phone, you're you're giving a lot of permission, a lot of security access. I mean, obviously this is a big deal right now with Solar Winds and the US government hack. And because of the federal government installed software from SolarWinds, they assumed to be trusted, put it inside their network, and turns out the Russians are using that to get inside the federal government. Not too dissimilar to with these other applications. You can install on your desktop. You don't know who's installed that code. With SignalWire, all you have to do is trust the browser. Do you trust Google and Chrome? Do you trust Mozilla and Firefox? If you do, then you that's all the software you need, and that is secure. That's encrypted directly to us through the same methods that encrypt your credit card information and stuff like that. So the entire conversation is encrypted. You're not installing any software. So it really is a security emphasis. And we're working with, we have some major government and security clients that are, are, are using us specifically for that reason. And that's all because you're able to do this because you have just better stuff. The browser technology, like we're, we're, we're kind of the, on the leading edge of figuring out how to do this in the browser. 
without having to install, like I said, software. And um, this has only been possible in the last couple of years that the browsers have got this technology. And it, it's really going to open stuff up. Nice. And, 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 and how, how is everything going? Is this a fun time, a hard time? Yeah, I mean, this is we're we're a startup. We're we're a Silicon Valley startup. Uh, we're well funded, and we're we happen to be in an amazing situation that we make some of the best video and audio tech in the middle of a global pandemic where people have to use it. So things are good at SignalWire. Um, we have incredible uh, we have incredible customers we're working with to deliver the next kind of level of experience that you're going to get. And um, yeah, it's an it's exciting time. Awesome, man! Excellent. Well, Sean, Savage Nation is ready for your difference-making tip. What do you have for them? <laughs> difference-making tip. Well, uh, let me see if, like, if I can offer some some good advice here. Uh, I one of the one of the uh, things I think for an, for an entrepreneur, I think the hardest thing is always uh, to get started. And and for me um, specifically, uh, I have a million ideas. Like I get a new probably solid business idea just about every week. And um, if I could only execute on any of them. And when I look through historically, you know, the ones that I failed to execute on, it really comes down to just getting started, like taking my taking the first step and actually getting moving is super difficult as an entrepreneur, because it's it's, you're taking some of the best biggest risks, you're putting yourself out there, you're saying that I may fail. And, um, you know, one thing I, I picked up on very young is that, and I don't know if this stays true anymore, but I read this when I was like 15 in Byte Magazine or something that, you know, Silicon Valley entrepreneurs do, you know, 10 startups before they get one successful. And that always kind of stuck in my head. I was like, I just need to knock out 10 of these and one of these is going to be big. And it was kind of a, kind of just a constant reminder, just get started, keep going on one of these. I'm on my like sixth startup or so. And uh, it looks like SignalWire is going to be pretty big. Well, I think that is great stuff. That definitely gets a come on. Come on. John, thank you so much for coming on. Where can Savage Nation learn more about you and where can they learn about SignalWire? Well, hey, George, if uh, any of your listeners want to get a, uh, a free 30-day uh, trial of anything we're offering, we can do that. Uh, you can use code uh, GEORGE, and uh, we'll give your customers a free 30-day trial at SignalWire.com, S-I-G-N-A-L-W-I-R-E.com. Love it. Well, Savage Nation, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Sean your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas. Go to SignalWire.com and enter the code word George for 30-day free trial. I love it. Thanks again, Sean. Thanks for having me. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight because we are all in this together. Spending too much time on social? Is your daily screen time over two hours? Are you a little bit overweight, not saving enough money? Any or all of these are familiar. Strive could be for you. The Strive two-week online boot camp will help you to detox your mind, body, and money, getting you on your way to a happier, healthier, wealthier, and more confident life. Go to strivedetox.com. S-T-R-I-V-E-D-E-T-O-X dot com and get your mind, body, and money right.